scripture reading this morning is Luke chapter 1, verses 5 through 10. In the, name of, in the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a, defendant, a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all of God's commands and decrees blamelessly. Because Elizabeth was unable to conceive, and they were both very old. Once when a Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as a priest before God, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time of the burning of incense came, all of the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped by fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is, he is born. He will, be, he will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, How can I be sure of this? I am an old man, and my wife is well along in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. Now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. This is God's word. You may be seated. Inside of the bulletin will be uh, not only the order of worship, but an insert that it includes uh, some notes that you might use as we go through our study of Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 5, uh, the text that Ben just read for us. Uh, before we do that, let's remember to, to ask God to bless us, and let's bow our heads and join our hearts and ask God to give us those eyes that see and ears that hear. Father, how wonderful it is to have this story before us. These pages open before our eyes in order <coughs> to instruct our minds, to move our hearts, and to thrill our souls with this particular moment in all of history when you came near to us in the flesh. We are grateful also for the life of this herald, John, we call the Baptist, and for the way that he opened up eyes and ears, the people of his day, and the land in which he lived, to the coming of the Messiah and to recognize him. And we are grateful for his words that still speak today preparing our hearts and minds to see the Christ hold him to us in this day through your word. And Father, we are, we are thankful beyond words to have this story, especially at this time of the year and at this time in history, to remind us of the great hope, the great, concrete, real hope that has come into the world because of the Incarnation. 
So we ask in the name of your Son, Jesus, to give us the eyes that see and the ears to hear in order to read and to hear and to contemplate, to ponder the mystery of these passages, and in turn to be revolutionized in the way that we think about this world and the way that we live in it. And this we pray again in the name of Jesus. And all the church said, Amen. On a dark night in the fields 2,000 years ago, shepherds were tending their sheep when all of a sudden they are immersed in a glorious and blinding light. An angel surprises them and appears. They are completely surprised. They are completely unhinged emotionally, terrified at this surprising sight. The angel says to them, do not be afraid because I am bringing to you good news in the city of David. There is a Savior who is born. Christ the Lord. And here's the sign. You can go to that city and He will be lying in a manger wrapped in swaddling cloths. And after he says that, the skies fill with angels beyond number and beyond wonder, singing praise to God. And what is it that they're singing? Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill. It's up here on the screen. Let's say it together. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Salient points of that text, glory to God, peace on earth, goodwill to men. I was reminded of a poem by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow in reading an article recently out of CT. 1861, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow's wife uh, caught dress while they were at dinner, caught uh, on fire. Uh, As she was burning, he tried to save her. He was unable to do so. She succumbed to her burn injuries the next day. He was so burned he was unable to attend her funeral. And because of the scarring from the burning, it's when he began to grow the famous beard. And in his grief, and now in the middle years of the American Civil War, in some of the bloodiest years, there was a despair that began to crowd him, to crowd his mind and his heart. On Christmas morning in 1863, he heard church bells. They were Christmas bells. And the words to a poem entitled, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day, came to him. The second to last uh, chorus of this poem go like this. And in despair I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said. For hate is strong and it mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. In our modern world, people grieve. And despair, too, begins to crowd around them. Headlines form our vision of the world, headlines of horrific experiences. It would seem these days that there is no other kind. Nature seems to have turned in on itself. Human nature has done the same thing. We don't have time, it seems, each day to give one tragedy its due attention before we're flooded with another. 
And it's not just personal tragedies and setbacks, but tragedies and setbacks of the world. We grieve with people in our neighborhoods and we grieve with people in our cities, our state, our nation, and the nations in the world at large. Abuse and corruption and injustice and violence and spilled blood. Does it not feel, at least sometimes, like the world is ending? There is no peace on earth, we said. For hate is strong, it mocks the song of peace on earth to men. I wanted to spend some time with this text that Ben read for us this morning. In it we see at least three, I think, major but simple truths. That life can be difficult at times, The difficult times demand faith, and the faith makes hope shine in those difficult times. Let's think about the life and times of Zechariah and Elizabeth for a few minutes. Life can be difficult at times. Do you agree with that? It can be difficult a lot of the time, and sometimes it seems like it's more difficult than it is easy. Our text opens with these words, in the time of Herod, king of Judea, the fifth verse. At the the larger macro level, by the time that Herod arrives on the scene as king, Israel has experienced a lot of political powers that have come in and gone in their land. The Persians, Alexander the Great of the Macedonians. The Ptolemies out of Egypt. The Seleucids out of Syria. And now the Romans are on the scene. And you know what? It does not look to anybody in Israel at that time that the Romans are going to go anywhere for a while. And not only are the Romans there, but they have chosen and made Herod the king. And as you know, as a king, he could be cruel. And he could be brutal. And he could be harsh. He possessed the kind of heart and the kind of soul that could order all of the male children of village to be killed. It's the kind of man he was. Judaism is fragmented. The religion of the country is fragmented into four distinct philosophies. You have Essenes who really don't want anything to do with anybody. They're a holiness movement out in the desert. You have the Zealots who really hate Rome. And at some point, they're going to go to war with Rome, and they're ready to pick a fight. You have the Pharisees who really believe that the that the the prophets had it right. They begin to form themselves into a holiness movement of sorts in which they try to obey the letter of the law of Torah and the prophets and the the wisdom lit to the letter of the law in order to get the Romans out of the country and to secure God's favor. And then you have the Sadducees who don't believe in an afterlife, don't believe in angels or resurrection. And so they have decided that we have to make our life now in this life, and they were ready to, 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 to compromise themselves with the Romans to the extent that they could prosper and flourish. And then there's the God silence. For 400 years, since the time of Malachi, who had prophesied that one day there would become a prophet in the spirit of Elijah, in the power of Elijah, who would, who would turn the, the, the hearts of the people back to God. And if all of that was not enough, 
In the personal micro world of Zechariah and Elizabeth, we read beginning in verse 6 that both of these people were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and all of His decrees blamelessly, but they were what? They were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive and they were both very old. Luke includes some of these words to let us know that the issue of infertility is not, as was commonly thought among the people of his time, the result of some kind of guilt or some kind of sin or iniquity. And that barrenness that they were experiencing as a family was excruciating, and the reason for it, a mystery. Nothing that you could quite lay a finger on to explain why they, as righteous as they were, as blameless as they were, could not have children. Hope for the future, their future, was fading, becoming vague. And then the day comes for Zechariah, who is a priest, to go into the holy place to burn incense. And we're told by Luke that he's chosen by Lot, but it's God who is choosing him to be there in that moment. And he goes into the holy place, and an angel appears on the right side of the altar of incense. Zechariah, understandably, is shaken. He's startled. He's gripped with fear. Angels are used to this kind of reaction on the part of humans. And this angel, Gabriel by name, says, don't be afraid. Do not fear. Do not fear. And he continues, your prayers concerning a child have been heard. You're going to have a baby and you're to call him John. He is going to be a joy and a delight. Who, as a parent or a grandparent, doesn't want to hear an angel sent from God to say, your kid is going to be about as perfect as this gets? In Matthew chapter 11, Jesus says sort of the same thing. He says, of all those born of women, none have risen greater than John the Baptist. The angel also says that he will be just like Elijah in spirit and power. And he's going to prepare the people to get ready for the Lord because God is coming. Well, difficult times demand faith to believe that God is still at work in creation. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, famous, familiar passage on faith. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. Hope is what we anticipate the future to look like. It's what we're counting on. It's what we're putting all of our our hope into, that this is what the future will look like. Faith, the Hebrew writer says, is the floor that that hope stands on. A strong hope stands on a solid faith. A shaky faith affects our hope for the future. Zechariah, in this time of life, has been shaken. And so he asks the angel in verse 18, how can I be sure of this? How can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. I don't know if I would ever have the guts to argue with an angel. The angel has said this will happen. Not only that, Zechariah has heard this all before with Abraham and Sarah and Isaac. He knows how it's going to end. How then 
Can I be sure of this? How can I be sure? He asks. The question behind the question is this. Is God still at work in His creation? Because it doesn't look like it. Personally, Zachariah's not a bad person. He's not a bad person at all. But he is a human in danger of missing good news because he is flooded with all of this bad news. Human beings can forget that God is at work beside them. That when you walk through the park, when you walk through the city, when you walk through your house, that God is present and alive and at work all around us each day, every day. The angel says to him in verse 19, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this what? Good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens, the dream of every wife. You will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. In the middle of difficult times, our faith must see that we are a part of the trajectory in which God is bringing His kingdom, His rule, back into all creation. That is, the faith that feeds the hope that one day He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, or mourning, or crying, or pain. There will be no more death, or mourning, or crying, or pain. There will be no more death, or mourning, or crying, or pain. I'll read that again until somebody says, Amen. (laughs) For the old order of things has passed away. Zechariah is being called to believe that there is still life where he sees only deadness in his own body and in Elizabeth's body because God is still active in the world. God has a trajectory for the world and Zechariah and Elizabeth are going to be a part of it. A light that is the life of men is coming into the world. And their son, who shall be named John, is going to bear witness to it and prepare people for faith in the Messiah. That's when faith makes hope shine like light in darkness. Jesus taught in Matthew chapter 5 that his disciples were also to be the light of the world, as he was light in the world, to do good deeds in, in a way that it's not about us getting the thanks, but about God getting the glory. In other words... We do our good deeds in a way that leave God's future to look like. We do our good deeds because we believe that God is still doing good in the world, regardless of how difficult those times might be. He is still bringing His Son and reign on the good and the evil, the righteous and the unrighteous. In this way, we are called to be hope traffickers. We traffic hope into the world in tangible, practical ways that not only bless people with goodness, 
but bless people with the knowledge that God is still active in His world and is active through His people. One of the ways that you can do this, and I, I think very relevant to this month, is by delivering one of those holiday harvest boxes. It's more than just taking food and gifts to a family that could use a little bit of help at the end of the month. It's more than saying, how are you doing? Here's the food. Nice knowing you. It's saying to them, the reason we're doing this is that one day, a long time ago, in the town of David, a Savior was born. He is the Messiah, the Christ, the Lord. He brings peace to the earth. He brings goodwill to men. And we are His disciples. And then we pray with them and for them. What do you say, Mac? Sign up to deliver one of those boxes in order to be light to somebody in difficult times. The way that God brings hope flooding into our life in those difficult, dark times. We sign up to make a delivery of food and gifts, but more than anything else, we are delivering hope that the world will not always be this way. Despair is heavy. heavy, And the world continues to try to bog us down in it. There are days when it looks like justice is absent. But one day, it will roll like a river and righteousness like a never-failing stream, Amos said. The world will once again be full of the knowledge of God, the way that the, the, the waters cover the oceans. Isaiah chapter 11. Imagine a world in which the thorns and the thistles of the curse <coughs> of Genesis 3 will be reversed and there will be the cypress and the myrtle. We ask, how can we know this? How can we be sure? The answer, the incarnation of Jesus. That God came near. That God... His God the Son left all of the glory in heaven above in order not just to bring to us wishful thinking, but a concrete hope in what the world will be one day when God has once again established His kingdom. On December 25th, 1863, Longfellow is growing in his despair and he hears Church bells, Christmas bells. And it comes to his troubled mind that God is at work in his creation. That one day, God became a baby. A baby born to a virgin. And that a Savior has come into the world. Not just to save us from our sins but to completely transform us and to help us to become the human beings we were always intended to be. That a light has come to people walking in darkness. And the poem and the words to that poem began to form in his mind. And it ended like this. And in despair I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said. For hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And then it ended with these words. 
then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail. With peace on earth, goodwill to men. Hope is so powerful. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23, we'll end with these words. Let us, you and me, brothers and sisters, let us hold up, that is, let us not be derailed. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. Think about the incarnation this afternoon, tonight, sometime this week. When you have a moment, not just to think about the, the facts of it, but when you have an opportunity to think about what it means that God would do this, and that what it means that God can do this and chooses to do it, and that He does it when it means that He's going to enter into our difficult times in order for us to be blessed with a hope that is more real than the reality we're in right now. Perhaps there's a way that our church can minister to you. You, you know what we do at the end of the sermon we have shepherds who come down to the front. And if we need to pray with you, if there's um, a, a, a need and a desire on your part to understand what it means to become a child of God, these shepherds would love to talk to you about that. And we want you to come down to the front and talk to them as we stand and we sing praise to God.